This is the Dealer News Today podcast, the podcast for automotive executives and the professionals who support them. Well, hey there, folks, and welcome back to Dealer News Today. You're here. I'm here. You woke up today. You're feeling good. You know, let's send out all the positive vibes. You know what I mean? You know, this world could use a lot more of that. So send all the positive vibes your way. Hope you have a great day today, week, month, year, all of it. Uh, anyway, this is episode six of season six of DNT, and we got a great one for you with a guest that has been on the show before. She is back. Now, before we get to her, just want to make sure you know that you could listen to all the past episodes and seasons, and there's a lot of good ones at dealernewstoday.com or wherever you get your podcast. You know, we're on all the platforms and all that stuff, so you can listen whenever you would like. Uh, make sure you follow us on social media, of course, at Dealer News Today. I am your host, Derek D. Yeah, now if you'd like to little know, you know, a little more about me and who I am, DerekD.com is the place for that. All right, let's get into it. Last time we talked to our guest, she went from owning three dealerships to 20 in 15 years. Yeah, pretty good. Uh, we'll find out if she added any more dealerships. Uh, she has a great employee ownership program that we'll talk more about. Uh, she's philanthropic and has also won her share of awards, but also loves to give the accolades to other people, which is very admirable. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome back for the second time, the president and CEO of Carter Myers Automotive, Liza Borges. Liza, how you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Having a great start to the day and happy to be here. Yeah, we're happy to have you back. You know, you're a veteran on the show now, you know, part of only an elite group. Must have meant, uh, you know, the last one went uh, pretty well, I guess. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. It was great. Well, thank you. Yeah, it was, that was back in April 2022, so a little over a year ago. Yeah. Uh, just to recap, uh, you're, you live in uh, Charlottesville, Virginia, right? Yes. Yeah, that's not is that where you're from? Um, for the most most of my life, yes, Charlottesville. Right. Okay. Yeah, uh, it happens right, yeah. to also be the very center of where our dealer group operates, which is very right. helpful as well. Right. And you went from three dealerships to 20 in the last 15 years. Have you added any more since the last time we talked? We did. We added three more in August of last year. Wow. We're up to 23 now. Wow. 23. And it's starting at three, then to 23 within 15 years. That's, that is impressive. Um, and you have uh, the 18 franchises across Virginia. Is it more than that now? I guess would be. So we have right. still 18 franchises because the three okay. we purchased last year were all franchises that we already represented. Um, oh, okay. 18 franchises, 23 rooftops. Uh, we did go into the state of West Virginia and we are building a new store and open point for Honda in Maryland. So we'll be entering our third state in 2024. Well, congratulations on that. Thanks. Jeez. Good, good, good work. Yeah. Um, <laughs> open points are, I mean, there's there's a lot of positives to them, but the process of going through it, it was interesting that Honda started it before COVID. And we thought we were at a point of getting close to being a finalist. COVID hit, everything changed. We had to start the whole process over two years later. So it was like a five-year process on, on uh, oh, finally wow. earning that point. Yeah, wow. So, you know, the saying started from the bottom, now you're here. I'm, I'm not saying you were starting at the bottom, but the trajectory is definitely impressive, that's for sure. And it's it's been a family business, right? It is. We are, I'm the fourth generation of our family to have the honor and the privilege to lead the organization. Um, it is family and employee owned, though. The family owns uh, the majority, but our employees own 20% yes. through our ESOP. 
And then, of course, most of our general managers are also uh, minority partners in their store. So when we look at it as a as a whole picture, our family only owns about 50 percent. And then the other 50 is owned by a combination of our ESOP and all of our general managers. Yeah, that's awesome. I remember last time we talked, you were telling, talking about the yeah. employee ownership program that you guys had. And that's that's a great thing to do because that, you know, obviously when you hire someone, you say, hey, you know, you're, you're going to work here, but eventually you could also be, you could own part of this business as well, which I think is a a, a great idea. And it's a great incentive for people to, uh, you know, get into the business for sure, especially if they love cars, they love, you know, love the, the, the business part of uh, the automotive world and dealership world. I mean, that's, that's you, know- you said almost 50%. Right. When you add the ESOP and all of our general manager partners. But one thing that we did not talk about last time that I actually had not recognized was how the ESOP is an added bonus in acquisitions. And it came up um, in the stores that we bought in November of 2021. And then even more clearly in the stores of August of 2022, that the owners, the, the owner in Lynchburg, Virginia, he'd actually researched doing an ESOP himself and found that it was very complicated and challenging. And so he felt really good about selling his stores to us, which in part was actually selling part of his stores to his long-term employees, to all of his employees. So he felt huh. like, I'm exiting, I'm finding a group where my associates, my employees are now going to actually own part of the stores that I'm selling. And so it was one of the main reasons that he selected us as the buyer. Yeah. Wow. That's cool. I mean, if, if you're acquiring another dealership and the owner who is selling is worried about his current employees, he or she would feel a lot more comfortable selling because like, oh, wow, I'm taking care of them. Yeah. Even though I'm selling, you know? Exactly. So we'd never put that together. And, and it's something I think we'll, we'll start talking about more to other dealer groups who are considering exiting. Yeah. Are you still, so you got 23 now, are you constantly merging and acquiring? Is that are you like peppering that down a little bit now, or is that still going? You're still looking <laughs> well, for more dealerships? Well, we're always looking for the right opportunities that are good culture fits for CMA that are also good. We're obviously looking at the brand, uh, the geographic location, uh, the opportunity in that particular market. Um, but we, I very much tried in 2023 to hold still for a year because with eight stores in a 15-month period in three different markets, it was a significant increase <laughs> of the size of our company last year. And yeah, a lot uh, of work. we really needed to take a year to stabilize, put, make sure we had all the right leaders in place. We had quite a few people from our new stores that we wanted to send through Dealer Academy and help them get even more acclimated to CMA. So 2023 Mm. was intended to be a year to stabilize. And then of course, we're in the process of interviewing for a new leader to join us in Maryland at the New Hound store next year and building that facility, et cetera. So never a dull moment. Never, never. But that's what we love about this business. <laughs> it's good. Yeah, right. It's good. It, ke- it keeps you guessing. It keeps you busy. No two days are essentially the same. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, it's, 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 this is a good segue into this question because I didn't ask you this last time. I don't believe and I pretty much asked this as the first question to almost everyone that's on the show now. Uh, so you're the president and CEO of, you know, CMA, Carter Myers Automotive. Uh, but what, what's your day to day like? Like today's a Monday. <laughs> We're recording this. What is the usual Monday for you? look like or a Tuesday, whatever. That's so, it's so funny that you ask because uh, we have a 
in-house videographer who wanted to kind of follow me for a week. And he said, I want to be able to show people what a week looks like in your role. And I I laughed and I said, well, every week is different. So if you come follow me for this week, that means nothing like what it might be next week. Um, So actually, (laughs) after we finish here this morning, I'm going to be jumping on the plane and heading to Nashville for the Subaru National Business Conference. So I'll be there for, uh, I guess it's like less than 48 hours. Maybe it's like 40 hours. And then we'll be flying back Wednesday morning. And I've got a couple one-on-ones with some uh, up-and-coming leaders in our organization that we're uh, working with to help them understand the expectations and non-negotiables of being a general manager with CMA. So I've got that scheduled Mm -hmm. for Wednesday afternoon. And then Thursday morning, I'm going to be heading up to our markets in Winchester and Martinsburg for a new hire orientation. We'll have about 35 new hires that will be joining me for the, the day on the 13th. And then on Friday, we've got a couple of interviews uh, uh, internally for general managers within CMA who are interested in our new Lexington Park Honda store in Maryland. So I've got some interviews that day. And then I finished the day, I think on Friday with uh, one of the um, boards that I'm on is called uh, Drive for Freedom, which is a nonprofit foundation that we started to try to figure out how to help uh, low-income families who either don't have credit or have very poor credit be able to move into reliable and safe transportation. So oh, that's, that's a quick picture it, of this that, week. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I mean, like, uh, so de- definitely very, very busy and you're all over the place. Always, always relating back to, you know, the business and the dealership and things like that, of course, but it's it's no two days seem to be alike. And, that, and if, if your videographer is filming you today, I mean, It'd be, it'd be great, like, oh, she popped on an interview for a show, and now she's got to go on a plane and head over to Nashville and do this. So that could this could be a good week for him to film you or her to film you. Um, so you're definitely keeping busy. Now, you mentioned that nonprofit. Last time we talked, you also had a – was it Driving Lives Forward mm-hmm. or a Moving Lives yes, Forward? Driving li- so was Moving it- Lives Forward is our mission. We started a local nonprofit called Driving Lives Forward. Um, is that the same one we're talking about just before you just mentioned? No, dri- the Drive for Freedom Different. is trying to take our concept that we started here locally and taking it to a national level. Okay. And so there's some parts of it that needed to scale a little bit differently if we were going to be able to take it uh, to other markets. And so uh, Drive for Freedom is the same mission as what we started here locally, but it has uh, people on the board from all different parts of automotive um, and a couple of other dealer groups that we're talking to to say, how could we scale this and expand it beyond just Charlottesville? Ah, okay. That's great. That's great, though. I mean, those are those are uh, awesome, awesome causes. And it's always good to to give back. It makes you feel good. Yes. Yes, it's very rewarding. And I'll tell you the most important part of it all is what I've learned is when we can take where our skill sets and our strengths and our knowledge is, which for us is obviously automotive, and be able to utilize that in our philanthropic efforts, we're able to have exponential impact. And so yeah. there's you know one other nonprofit called Giving Words Virginia that we've become very involved in that focuses on helping single moms, most of whom who've come through addiction uh, with safe and reliable transportation. And it's a partnership with lots of nonprofits and our local technical schools who fix up these vehicles. And it's just uh, an incredible organization. If anyone wants to take a look at them, it's called Giving Words Virginia. Oh, that's, yeah, great organization. I mean, Giving Words Virginia, definitely look that up. I mean, what a 
great cause. I love the whole combination of, uh, you know, like a tech school where the students are fixing up a car. So they are learning. So they're benefiting, but also fixing a car that could help someone who really needs it. Right. I think sometimes, yeah, I think sometimes we take for granted having a car, you know, some people have a daily driver and then they have like a nice sports car they keep in the garage or even multiple cars, but not everyone has that luxury. And just having a car is a big deal and a huge convenience that many people, unfortunately, you know, can't afford. I, I just watched a video on Instagram before we jumped on here about a in, about a janitor who worked at a school, and you and you hear these stories all the time. But he was walking back and forth like a couple miles to work, and the staff got together, put the money together, and got him a car, and he was ecstatic. And having a car, especially if you're a single mom or a single dad or someone who's struggling and can't afford it, it's a huge help, and it's and it's great you're giving it- back. In some ways, absolutely necessary. Yeah, yeah, it is. To get to get to get to work and be able to keep food on the table for their family. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. You can get the kids where they need to go. You know, soccer practice. Yeah. You know, whatever it is. So, yeah, I mean, what what a great cause that is. So, last we talked was twenty twenty two. What is some of the biggest differences you've seen since then? You know, changes to your business or is something now uh, that is just a lot different. I know you mm-hmm. added more dealerships and stuff, like you said, but any shift in the way the business is done or anything like that? Yeah. You know, it's a great question. I think in the last year, everybody's been waiting for that big shift saying, you know, mm. once COVID is, is, has been behind us or truly behind us is the is the business going to be vastly different? I think the biggest surprise over the last year is that there hasn't been a huge shift. We've seen little shifts in all areas of our business. Um, obviously on the new car side, everybody's adjusting with some franchises having more inventory than what we've had for the last three years. And I know for other groups, our size, it's an adjustment to say, we have certain brands that have a 90 day, uh, supply of inventory. And we have other brands that are still in the single digits. And so try to make sure that you have some stores that need to start thinking about pricing more aggressively and doing some different marketing and Yet you have other stores with no cars on the ground who are still in a MSRP environment. So we're we're really making sure that we're adjusting based on the brand and the geographic location of what's happening in that market. On the used vehicle side, um, there was so much talk about this roller coaster of of, of pricing on used cars that we right. expected to happen. But when you look at the next three years and the lack of lease returns coming in and the lower new car sales for several years. Used car prices and availability are are going to stay tough availability and high prices for the next three years. So I actually think we, or not think, we have not seen a significant change in the used car environment over the last 12 months. And I don't believe that we will for the next several years. It's an adjustment Hmm. from a sourcing perspective that is going to stay. And we need to continue to work harder than ever. To, to find those right used vehicles in that price point of, of the folks you and I were just talking about that need that affordable car payment, which is yeah. um, continuing to be more challenging to find as new cars get more expensive, used vehicle prices stay high, finding that fifteen dollars to $25,000 uh, reliable low mileage used car is, is a number one priority. And then the last thing I'll say over the last 12 months, Every dealership is seeing continued growth and records in our parts and service departments. And one of the things we find our team is that just because we're setting great records, we want to make sure we realize it's not because we're necessarily doing things that much better because the whole industry is is having great service and parts uh, months. As we see, the average age of a, a vehicle on the road is the highest 
I think it's ever been, it was like up almost 13 years. It was like 12.7 last time I looked and it had the largest jump from, I think almost a full year over the last 12 months. People are just keeping their cars. They, they can't afford a new one. The prices are high. Used cars are still scarce. New car inventories all over the board. And so it is the moment for us to continue to invest and pour into our parts and service departments from a customer experience perspective, from a technology expect, uh, perspective, from a uh, just facility perspective. So that's what we've been focused on is a lot around fixed operations for the last 12 months. Oh, wow. Jeez. Well, lots of good stuff in there. Yeah. But uh, you, you, you said some brands have more cars and availability than others. So let me ask you this. I mean, well, first off, what brands do you represent again? I know you have Subaru, Ford. Uh, we have pretty much all of the non-luxury brands, uh, all three domestics. We have all of the uh, Korean brands, most of the Japanese brands, uh, the only thing we have, VW? Luxury, uh, we do a Volkswagen. Um, the only thing in luxury we have is Volvo, Lincoln, Cadillac, kind of semi-luxury. Um, mm-hmm. so all the non-luxury we pretty much cover. Oh, okay. And which, which brands are, are, are you finding you're getting more access to new cars as opposed to others? Um, mainly the domestics. I mean, CDJR has our highest day supply. We have three CDJR stores and those have been uh, the most challenging over the last six months, day supply has increased and we haven't seen consumer demand pick up on the vehicles we actually have in stock. So they just haven't been getting us the right vehicles and the incentives on those vehicles don't seem to be moving consumer. I was going to ask about incentives. Yeah. There's not many, not many, but on the, and see, there, there are some pretty hefty incentives, but if I believe that customers have decided over the last three years that they're going to wait and get the car that they want so we haven't seen incentives moving behavior the way that we did prior to COVID. Yeah. That, well, yeah, because incentive, incentives were always huge. And then th- this really, they for a while, they're now, now there's some that are back, of course, but for a while, they like, just didn't exist. Right, right. Like, like most so, incentives. And, and if, if there was an incentive, it was usually the dealership was doing something on their own. It wasn't coming from the manufacturer. And it wasn't even coming from the dealerships for quite a few of those years. Yeah. I think the confusion for consumers right now is they're seeing some incentives on some vehicles and they're not understanding the whole supply and demand by brand. That if they walk into a Honda store, there still might only be five vehicles on the ground. And yet you can walk into a, a CDJR store and see a hundred. So they're they're yeah. expecting if they see incentives on one brand that, oh, the whole industry is back to normal. And now, of course, that's not the case. Right. So speaking of the industry back to normal or not, it's not the case. But what, so we've been talking about the supply and demand, is that still, I, I mean, obviously it's still an issue, but is it that problematic anymore? Or are you really just adjusting and figuring out, okay, this is how it is. It might be this way for a while, or it's going to eventually, you know, we don't maybe need to have as many brand new cars on the lot as we used to. So how, how are you dealing with that? Is it, it's, it's, is it easier? Is it, Yep. The majority of our brands are running about a 25 to 30 day supply on the ground or maybe 20 to 30. And that's a really nice sweet spot that we could yeah. hold. Almost I think it works well for the manufacturers. It works well for the, for the retailers. Um, the only brands that were still significantly less than that are Honda and Toyota. Um, and then above that is as a brand as a whole, really the only one is CDJR. There are certainly some models within other brands that have gotten higher than 30 days, 
Uh, but if, yeah. if we can stay in that sweet spot, it really does work for everyone. It gives consumers vehicles to, to test drive and touch and feel, uh, but also doesn't doesn't create an incentive game, an incentive war that I think is damaging to brands, makes it uh, not a great customer experience either. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a good point for sure. And that's a good sweet spot you said to be in. That's basically like a month. It's about a month. I, the only other caveat to that, you know, by not having the incentives that we used to have, we, we every manufacturer is hearing it from dealers and from consumers that we've got to be more cognizant of what price points they have out there mm. to offer that customers can afford. Oh, absolutely. Um, because during COVID, so many of our manufacturers adjusted production to the higher trim levels and the higher priced vehicles because when they couldn't make much, they wanted to they wanted to make what they could make good money on, right? That makes makes economic sense. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it definitely makes sense economically. I mean, you need to make money for your business and employees, and a, and you need to think of ways to do that when situations are strange. Let's say, and they, they definitely were. Um, uh, here's a question I have for you. So, uh, it's kind of personal about my car. So, I'm most likely going to pay off my car loan and sell it privately because when I go to dealerships, it's like they aren't offering what it's worth. You know, I mean, my car. It's immaculate. I take extremely good care of it. I know what it's worth and I know what they're going to turn around and sell it for. So do you think dealerships will will come up a little bit and adjust so that people don't have to resort to selling privately in certain situations? You know, I know it's kind of a, a strange question. Well, I, I think that it has been much more competitive in the last year and a half. Yeah, definitely. Uh, dealers trying to source cars directly from consumers at a higher rate than we ever have historically. And there's also yeah. so many more data points out there, whether you can see what the CarMax offer is going to be. There's three or four other options that we can be looking out there. Consumers have more information and there are online platforms that consumers can go on to sell their car. So they don't have to go through that old uh, issue of putting it, you know, whether it be in the paper on Craigslist, having people come to their house. And there's just a lot more options for both consumers and dealers. So that margin, that difference between what dealers offer and what they can get uh, direct to consumer, I think is smaller than it's ever been. Yeah. I, 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 yeah, definitely get what you're saying. I just think sometimes, cause like a lot of dealerships, they'll look at your car or, or even when you go online, you go to Kelly Blue Book, you see what your car's worth. It doesn't really take into account. Like I have better quality brakes, updated brakes, and my, my wheels are powder coated black and, and the, it, there's, there's upgrades I did that don't necessarily like, not like put a crazy exhaust on or things like that, <laughs> that make it more, ex, more expensive, more valuable, but they'll still go with like, well, you know, the value of it on Kelly blue book is this, or I don't know. Whatever. I think dealers so, are fighting for cars these days. And I think that you would see that number go up. The other thing that it makes it so much easier for consumers, most consumers do have a payoff on their vehicle. And so if they want to sell it direct to another customer, there's that wait time as far as taking cash and then giving the title and, so dealers, yeah. dealers have an advantage in being able to help consumers get a car paid off and, and get a check and not have to have that sort of conversation with a potential seller. Right, exactly. Which is very, very true, too. That's kind of where I am right now, too. I'm like, I could just pay it off or I could just try to sell. Yeah, it's the whole thing. It's fine. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um, but yeah, it's it's interesting. And you're right. And, you, and, and they're, they're, you know, clamoring for used cars, I feel like, because uh, that's it. That's huge business right now, especially during COVID. I think it was bigger, but you're saying it's still firing on all cylinders, I guess you could say. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, so last time you're on the show, you know, in 2020, you won the Cox automotive, uh, Cox automotive recognized you as, uh, the Barbara Cox woman of the year and also automotive news. You were 
one of the top 100 leading women in automotive and a bunch of other awards. Any new awards since then? Well, just this morning, this is actually more <laughs> oh, exciting than, than receiving an award. But just this morning, when they put out the um, 40 under 40, we had one of our women uh, at CMA. Her name is Carmen Hinton. She is a service manager at our Subaru store in Stanton, Virginia. And she was one of this year's honorees for 40 under 40. And Carmen had oh, the awesome. best story. And the reason I bring this up is because we are always trying to encourage people to think about careers in automotive who may never have considered uh, our industry, right? People think that you have to be passionate about cars or have a technical background. And Carmen actually started with us as a receptionist in in our Honda store. She decided Mm. to give accounting a shot for a little while and worked in our accounting office and then ultimately found her home as a service advisor, has grown over the years. She is 35 years old and she is the service manager of one of our fantastic Subaru stores. And she's a mom and she's a wife and she's got an incredible smile. And what makes her so great at her job is how much she loves people, her associates, her team, her technicians, and every single customer that walks in that door. So while it's not a recognition that I have, which I love recognizing other people more. So I would love to give Carmen a big shout out. She's just a wonderful success story and a career that I hope other women look to for inspiration. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that's awesome. Carmen, shout out to you and congratulations on that. I I love to hear stories like that. Again, going back to the whole, like what I said before, started from the bottom. Now you're here just just working their way up through sheer determination and and drive. And, And I'm sure Carmen, if she doesn't yet, will definitely be one of those employees that owns part of the business as well. Oh, she's one of them. Yeah. She, she definitely owns through the ESOP. And one of her goals is to become a general manager one day. So we're going to keep, and I'm keep sure, pouring into her. Oh, yeah. Keep pouring in. And I, I think that exactly will happen. She definitely will be a GM one day. So, yeah. you know, congrats to her. Yeah. And congrats to you for having that program that allows employees to do that and own parts of the business and recognizing them. So I I think it shows in the success that you've had. And, you know, I really appreciate you coming on the show for a second time and uh, delving more into this, you know. Thank you for having me. And I I just want to celebrate and recognize all of those 40 under 40s. I think they're in automotive news this week. And uh, what a great industry we are all blessed to be a part of. Yeah, for sure. So definitely go check that out if you haven't yet. Well, listen, Liza, thanks again for coming on DNT. And uh, have a safe trip to Nashville and have a great rest of your your very busy week. All right. Well, thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, anytime. And look forward to your your third appearance. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Bye now, Liza. All right. Sounds great. Have a good one. Again, that was Liza Borges, the president and CEO of Carter Myers Automotive. She really knows her stuff and is doing a lot of great things. For more on Liza and her dealerships, head over to cartermyersautomotive.com. That's M-Y-E-R-S. Myers. And that will do it for this episode of DNT. Make sure you follow us on the socials at Dealer News Today. Of course, I'm your host, Derek D. DerekD.com for all my stuff. I appreciate you listening, everybody. So until next time, this is Dealer News Today.